Welcome to Married to Murder. I'm Clint. And I'm Summer. And we're a true crime podcast. Where I tell him all of my favorite true crime stories, and he's hearing it for the first time, just like you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a tale of murder. Welcome back again, y'all. I'm Clint. And I'm Summer. Even though we just said that. (laughs) Just in case y'all weren't listening or skipped the intro. Right. We're married. Also. Are we? How many years? 18. Are you sure? Yes. (laughs) You don't sound very confident. (laughs) Hush. I'm just glad you've put up with me this long. (sighs) It's a struggle. I know. What life insurance? You know. (laughs) If you buy the life insurance and then murder somebody like a year later, it's so obvious. You just have to, you know, hold out for the long call. Uh, you're playing the long game at this point. Well, yeah, of you're course. killing me slowly. Doesn't it feel like it? Every day, I've missed <laughs> you with every bullet so far, too. That's not <laughs> funny. That's like a meme. Actually, I think that dates back to married with married with children. Did he say that? I think so. They had like the worst marriage ever, but yet it was the funniest. I missed that show. It was so relevant too. I like the little thing where, I think that's a meme too, where it says, like, it turns out that Bundy was, like, the best actual, like, TV dad. TV uh, dad, because all the others did, like, naughty things, like Bill Cosby and stuff. Right? Who thought Al Bundy would have been America's dad? (laughs) No scandals, no bullshit. And it's funny. And, of course, as always, we are joined by our coke. Producers, I guess we call them Luke and Nala. Hopefully they will not decide to pipe up during the broadcast this time. We do have pictures of Nala on Instagram. I haven't put any pictures of Luke up yet. He doesn't like to pose as easily as she does. He's a little bit derpy. He's adorable. Derp. And y'all may get random cat pictures that aren't allowed in here because they don't know how to shut up. (laughs) So who are we talking about today, ma'am? We are talking about a survivor story today. We don't get those very often. Is it bad that I want to bust out I'm a survivor, the song? If you sing and you leave it recorded and you leave it in, it would be fabulous. Here's the problem. I know the song. I do not know the lyrics to the song. I know like three words. Exactly. I'm a survivor. That's it. Yeah. That's all I know of it. <laughs> and no, I cannot carry a tune. I know, and I can't, and our poor child can't either, because of us. Back to making music sound damn good. You're not a DJ. No, but I tune the hell out of all my audio equipment. That's why you're the editor on this podcast, sir. I know. When would you think? So if y'all have any editing complaints, please email them directly to Monsieur Clint. If you have any, she didn't research that right. You can email it to Senorita Summer. So we're French and Spanish now? Oh, I'm definitely Spanish, even though I don't look it. Nobody could like Mexican as much as me without some Latina in her somewhere. It's, it's deep, because I'm the palest redhead on the planet, but it's deep. But it's there Dang, somewhere. no Latina up in there. <laughs> I promise you as much as I love Mexican food, it's in there somewhere. No, you was just born and raised in the South. I don't think that has anything to do with Mexican. I think they like Mexican food everywhere. 
Yeah, Correct me if I'm wrong. Do y'all not love Mexican food everywhere? If you don't, I have questions. To not love Mexican food is un-American. <laughs> I know. I'm stupid. You forget I dated a guy who was Puerto Rican, so I had like real... That's Puerto Rican food. That's not Mexican food. It was good. I don't remember what the hell I ate, but it was good. It is Latin-influenced. Because it was home cooking. It wasn't at a restaurant. It was like his aunt's house. It was good. The only good thing about that relationship. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Our trigger warning is torture. Ooh, torture? Yes, torture. Are we talking whoops and chains torture or put them on the rack torture? To some people, that's not torture. I'm aware. So, it's not BDSM torture. Okay. It's torture. So it's not fun, kinky torture? No. Okay. That's no fun. Okay, the R case today takes place in Baraboo, Wisconsin, which is the cutest little name for a city ever. Baraboo, Wisconsin. Isn't it cute? Don't you want to just say it? That sounds like a name a parent would give flashing somebody if they were trying to explain it to a little kid. If you flash somebody, be a baraboo. That's weird. That didn't go there. I thought about it being as like another name for like a, something that looks like a Teletubby. They could have been baraboos. <laughs> no, those things are just the things of nightmares. Teletubbies and Furbies are evil. Furbies aren't evil. They're adorable. Bullshit. No, Furbies are adorable. That little motherfucker has been sitting in the closet for six damn months and then out of, out of nowhere pipes up and says some random gibberish bullshit. That motherfucker is evil. Cute. Nope. Furry. Nope. Furry can die. Kill it hmm. with fire. Well, in Baraboo, Wisconsin, we are 50 minutes northwest of Madison. Okay. And it's nicknamed Circus City. Circus City? Because Ringling Brothers was there. Like, they came from there, and that's where they spent their winters. Through 1918. So their headquarters were there. Worded. And then also five other circuses called Baraboo Home from 1891 to 1966. So they were Circus City. And it sounds like a name for a Circus City Baraboo. Yeah. I want to live in a town where they have six circuses. Just move to Florida. <laughs> That's a the different, whole damn state's a circus. <laughs> That's a whole different thing. At the time oh, of our store. You, well, yeah. I told you where it was. I found Baraboo. <laughs> Always having to look at something with your little ADD self. A, a squirrel factor is high. You gotta pay attention to the story. Squirrel. Because you gotta ask relevant questions. Okay. <laughs> At the time of our story, there were about 10,000 people in Baraboo. Okay, that's a small town. Yep. On July 4th, 1994, 14-year-old Chris Steiner's parents go into his room and realize he's not there. Not good. Were his parachute pants there? He may have not followed that style. You don't know. 
was a starter jacket there. We do not discuss <laughs> these things. What was there was a window screen that had been slashed. Of course. I mean, how, how else are you going to get through a window screen? Take it out of the frame properly? No, you got to slash it. Or just not come in somebody's house. That's an even better option. They call the police. And the police come out and find muddy footprints on the carpet and an unlocked patio door. Well, what idiot forgot to lock the patio door? It kind of appeared as if maybe somebody came through the window and out the patio door. Okay, that makes sense. From looking at the muddy footprints. <laughs> the police and his parents started to search for Chris, but for days, he was not found. Chris? Who's Chris? Chris is our 14-year-old. thought we were talking about Tad. We're not there yet. That's why I told you, see, if you had him in ADD searching for Baraboo on the map, you would have heard me. I just needed a location. I'm sorry. This is 14-year-old Christian Steiner. Okay. We're in 1994. That's not what you told me to name the episode, so I was confused. You gotta follow along. I can't. Okay, I have more than one person in a story. All right. The police and his parents started a search for him, but he wasn't found. Then six days after he went missing, his body was found. I thought you told me there wasn't going to be no murder in this one. I didn't say he was murdered. I said his body was found. I told you it was a survivor story. I, I was not expecting a murder. Chris was draped over a partially submerged tree on the edge of the Wisconsin River sandbar. His autopsy revealed that his cause of death was drowning. As one would naturally assume, given the location. His body showed no other signs of foul play. And for some reason, the medical examiner did not take x-rays of his body, which is normally normal practice in an autopsy. Yeah, I was about to say that. That sounds a little bit off. Although I will say... All autopsies are not created equal. As if All you medical listen, examiners are not created equal. Oh, God, no, they're not. The requirements per state, per county, for a medical examiner or a coroner are different. Some are doctors, some are not. Oh, you have a pulse? All right, come be on a medical, medical examiner. So, you know, um, have I told people that I actually attend, that I've seen autopsies? I don't remember. I don't think I've told that. Okay, so I'm a nurse. And no, I know, I know, I was, I know I've told him that, so I'm not just a crazy person who's seen autopsies. We're going on the way back machine now. Yeah, like, and not too long after I graduated, um, <laughs> I used to work at a hospital that's no longer opened. And, and it was uh, one of the local charity, charity-based hospitals that was run by, it, it's basically a teaching and charity right. hospital. Right, it was an area. education hospital. We had, you know, doctors, and then we had doc- we called them baby doctors that were doing their residencies and stuff like that. And so, coincidentally, also the best place to go in the area if you got shot. Yeah, because they were used to it, poor babies. But, um, so I had the opportunity to attend two autopsies, which of course I immediately jumped on. We know. I'd do it again in a heartbeat. You could be a medical examiner if you could. That's what I should have done, honestly. Or well, don't come home smelling like death. We're good. It didn't smell bad. I've smelt live people that smelt much worse. 
I can honestly. attest to this. I've smelled some people that smelled like, like they should have been dead. I've gangrene smelt much worse. I've had patients with gangrene. I've had some wounds that were. Of, of course, it also depends on how long they've been dead at that point, too. Yeah. And one was a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head, and one was a heart attack. So, and they were not processed exactly the same. And they honestly were not quite as thorough as I thought they would be. It was terribly interesting, though. And they let us do stuff, so it was very, very entertaining. But Hey, if you poke here, it makes this do this. Yeah, like I touched lungs. It was amazing. Push it a little harder. Touch lungs, <laughs> touch brains, all that fun stuff. I'm a weird chick. Hey, whatever you do, when you're done with the autopsy, do not lick the knife afterwards. I've got to keep you away from dad jokes and memes. It comes with the territory of being dad. Just like New Balance But shoes. everybody listening is not a dad. <laughs> I, I would be willing to bet most of the, our listeners are moms. Because moms are awesome, and we hope y'all had a great Mother's Day. We told y'all that on the last episode, but I hope y'all actually had the great Mother's Day. This is true. Mine was not great. We will not discuss it. Yeah, well, we almost had to talk about our own situation. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. somebody was about to get murdered. It wasn't about... My son made a screw-up on Mother's Day weekend, but I will. Teenagers, right? He's alive. He's just grounded. All right. Back to our story. Like I said, they did not do x-rays, and Chris's death was officially ruled as undetermined. His parents reported that the last person Chris had spoken to was his older brother's friend, Joe Clark. When police go to speak to Joe, though, he denied seeing Chris that night, and Joe's mother gives him an alibi and says that he'd been home all night, and that if he had snuck out, she would have known. Way to have one of the most generic names in the country. Joe Clark? Yeah. yeah it's a pretty common name. So, Christian's case would go cold, as police had no leads, and thought perhaps his death actually was an accident. I'm going to call bullshit. You just wanted to say that. I've got to say it every episode at this point. <laughs> I've got to fit it in at least once. That's probably the only time you're going to fit it in. So we're going to fast forward almost a year to July 29th, 1995. And 13-year-old Thad Phillips has stayed up late to watch a movie in the living room after the rest of his family headed off to bed. It's the summer. He's 13, you know. He's up watching TV. He thinks he knows everything probably, as most 13-year-olds do. I think it's just teenagers in general. You're not wrong. Well, he ended up falling asleep on the couch, like you do when you're watching a movie. So, he was partially awakened when his dad picked him up to carry him to his bed. You know, that had happened before. Dad wasn't very big. His dad could still pick him up even though he was 13. I'm going to take a while. I guess it wasn't actually dad that picked him up. It was not his dad. (laughs) I could tell the future. (laughs) When Thad opens his eyes later, he realizes he's actually outside and not going to his room and that it's a stranger carrying him. I may or may not have been on camping trips where I've woken up outside of my temple tent when I went to sleep inside the tent before. But it wasn't strangers that caused that. It was typically the other assholes I was camping with. Did they carry you outside? I was significantly smaller back then. No, I'm just saying they meet, they snuck you outside and you didn't wake up? Oh, uh, I know of, you sleep deep, but 
one of the guys in the Boy Scout troop at the time, very deep sleeper and always had an air mattress. We were camping on a lake. We floated him and his air mattress out in the middle of the lake. He could have drowned. Y'all are bad little heathens. <laughs> oh, it was funny as hell when he actually woke up, though. This is why our kid is so bad. Lord have mercy. It, it, it's not entirely my fault. <laughs> okay. Well, Thad wakes up, and he's being carried by a stranger. And I, he was groggy enough that it didn't scare him. He wasn't like, oh, my God, let me down. Like, no screaming. He's just like, eh, I'm still sleepy. Where are we going? Which is, it's odd. And he can't really explain it, but... He just rolled with it. And the stranger sets him down and tells Thad, hey, let's go run. And Thad does. And he was barefooted. So he's just running in the night. Thad doesn't sound like the brightest little kid at this point in time. He's just sleepy. (laughs) It's like one or two o'clock in the morning. So, for some reason, he thought this might be one of his dad's friends who had come by the house and had car trouble and needed help and got him because he was in the living room. So, he asked him, you know, are you a friend of my dad's and do you need help? And the man says yes. So, Thad continues to go with him. The man was actually evil. So, this man brought Thad inside. There's no car. A rundown home less than a half a mile from his own house. Odd. And when he turns the light on, he realizes it's not a man. But it's an older, bigger teenager. I was about to say it was a gorilla. No, just an older, bigger teenage boy. The older boy actually outweighed Thad by about 70 pounds. Remember, Thad is like 13 and he's... Probably about 120 pounds. That's a picture of that at the time, which we'll post on Instagram. He was tall, like tallish. I'm not gonna say he's tall, tall, but he was like, I don't know, maybe five four ish looking. But he's skin and bones. Yeah, like he's, there's, he's a little scrawny looking kid in this. And there's some pictures of him. In his baseball uniform, and I can't find any good ones that show, like, his whole body. But if you watch, there's a couple of episodes, and I'll have them linked. And when you watch the episodes, they show, like, full body length. And you can tell he's not a big kid at all. By any means, like, I could have picked him up. So, this teenager says, my name is Joe. Hello, Joe. Tells him his name. He's being nice to him, takes him up to his room, shows him his baseball cards. They start looking at models like he did, like car models and stuff. And they're just hanging out like it's just this random guy like was bored and brought him over to his house and was like, hey, let's hang out and talk in the middle of the night. I've never met you before, but okay. This has nefarious intent written all over it. Everything does when you're listening to a true crime podcast. Nefarious. That's a fun word to say. It really is. <laughs> Might have to figure out ways to incorporate that in the regular conversations now. Is she going to tell your boss, like, I have nefarious ideas today? Your poor boss. 
I don't know. He, he already knows this because he's <laughs> usually the target of said ideas. <laughs> I know. That's why I feel sorry for him. But so Thad was very new to the town of Baraboo. He'd only moved there a few feet, a few weeks before. A few feet before? A few weeks. You said a few feet first. And I corrected myself. I'm, I'm still allowed. going to catch you and call you out. Okay, but I corrected myself. You gotta let me make mistakes. That's not perfect. We strive for per- for perfection in this podcast. We are an amateur podcast. We are not <laughs> professionals. I never claimed to be professional. Then we would be boring. Right? Back to the point is that he's new. And he wants to make friends. So if this guy's going to be nice to him, he's going to take this as an opportunity. And this really was Joe's house. Like, it looks like kind of a crappy house. Like, maybe it should have been on Hoarders. But it really was his house. Was it the local crack house? Not that I'm aware of. There's no mention of drugs in this case. So it wasn't bad not to be the local crack house then? No, it just... We'll talk about it a little bit more. But Joe's parents were out of town and his sisters, so he had the house to himself for the weekend. Bad idea for a teenager. Yeah. And Joe is 17 at this point. Mm. So Prime he, age for doing dumb shit. Not this kind of dumb shit. Wait till you hear. So Joe starts <laughs> to tell Ted. See? Reset. <laughs> yep. It's a hard name to say, actually. But he tells Thad, hey, there's some other people coming over. And he actually drops names that Thad does know, even though he's only been there for a little while. So he's, like, saying people he's aware of. Like, these are real people. It's not just, like, he's saying random names that he's never heard of. It's like, so-and-so's coming over, and we're having a party. Billy Bob's coming down, and Imogene, and... We're in Wisconsin. I don't know if they got Billy Bob's in Wisconsin. I don't know. Definitely got them down here, but I don't know if they got them in Wisconsin. Bobby Joe? Apparently they got Joes and Thads. And Christians. So Thads all relaxed, thinking, this is my new friend. Yes, it's random that he just showed up at my house, but we're hanging out. We've got other people coming over. I'm 13 and we're going to have a party? Okay. As any 13-year-old boy would be. So he's just sitting on Thad's bed, waiting for the people to get there for the party. And then all of a sudden, Joe grabs Thad's right ankle and twists it completely backwards, breaking it. Ouchies. As in his foot was facing in the wrong direction, backwards. I I understand that. Ouchies. So at that point, that's like, "Mm, I'm ready to go now. So he quickly tries to run as best he can with a broken ankle. Yeah, you're not running very well like that. And remember, he's upstairs. So he hobbles down the (laughs) stairs. He makes it to the kitchen. But Joe catches up with him. He's bigger. He doesn't have a broken ankle. So Joe grabs him, puts him in a chokehold. And I'm sorry, the printer just kicked on. Our printer is possessed. It really is. It's the second time it's done that when we're recording, which it never goes off any other time. Uh, it, it doesn't look like it's picking up, so let's continue. Okay. So, he puts him in a chokehold and drags him back to the living room, where he throws him on the ground and grabs his right leg again. All right, 
So the right ankle is one that's already broken. So he's grabbing his right leg, and then he forces his leg, like, up toward his head until his femur fractures. The femur, the thickest... The hardest bone in the body to break. Damn. Right. Then he proceeds to break his other ankle. Okay. Natural progression at that point. There's nothing natural about this. It's not happy. (laughs) So he now has two broken ankles and a broken femur. And Joe picks him up and puts him on the couch and tells him it's time to take a nap. As if Dad could actually take a nap when he's in horrible pain. He could if he gets knocked out. He didn't knock him out. He just did all that so he couldn't leave. And Joe goes to sleep on the couch next to him. And he actually does fall asleep. But that's too scared to leave. He's scared if he moves that he's going to hear him. Plus, he doesn't really think he can go too far with two broken ankles and a broken leg. Yeah, no, nah, he's not wrong. He, he ain't making it very far like that. So Joe took a nap. And, of course, now he wakes up. And what does he do? Well, let's break some more bones. Makes sense. He pretend, proceeds to take his legs and twist and break and stomp on his legs. And he's focusing on the legs. So that starts fighting back. And he's like, why are you doing this to me? Like, I don't even know you. Like, what, you know, where is this coming from? And so finally Joe tells him, it's because I like the sound of breaking bones. Joe sounds like a psychopath. Wait a minute. And not a good fun one either. No. So for hours, Joe continues to torture 13-year-old Thad. This is hours. Because at first his parents didn't even know he was gone. Because they were asleep. Exactly. They they would be asleep. They, You know, they thought he was asleep on the couch, too. They didn't know. So he's been tortured for hours. And he threatens that if you continue to fight back, I'm going to break your back or your neck. So that scares him even, even more. So he stops trying to fight back. I mean, it's bad enough having all this pain of all your leg, you know, your legs being broken, your ankles being twisted. But he knows, you know, if he breaks my neck, there's a good chance I'm dead. Or if he breaks my back, I'm definitely not getting out of here. So he stops fighting. And he comes up with a plan. He's smarter than you think. See, he was just groggy before. So he decides, I'm going to make friends with Jack. I'm going to use my brain. Because I can't physically, you know, defend myself or beat him physically. Brain over brawn. Exactly. So he starts trying, you know, to distract Joe. Because if he's distracted, he's not hurting him. This is true. So they start, like, watching movies together. They're, like, sitting on the couch. And Joe's talking to him like they're friends. They're just chilling watching the couch, you know, watching movies on the couch. And he tells him he has a girlfriend, tells him all about his girlfriend. You know, no big deal. They're just friends. And when they're... Watching movies or they're talking, he's not getting tortured. So he consistently tries to keep him busy with, you know, some type of distraction. Mm -hmm. So he's, you know, hey, you know, let's be friends, blah, blah, blah. 
and tries really hard to distract him. And he asks him, like, have you ever done this to anybody before? Like, where, you know, where did this come from? And Joe says, do you know Chris Steiner? Oh, our little kid from the uh, first part of the story. Which, of course, Thad did not know Chris Steiner because Chris Steiner was actually dead before he ever moved to town. Which would make sense why Thad would not know Chris Steiner. And Thad was told a second name, but he can't remember that name. He was under duress, so it's understandable. He's under a lot of pain. So when he realizes this is not the first time you've done this, you're not in jail, uh, where are these people, you're going to kill me. Like, he realizes, I got to get out of this house, I'm going to die. That seems to be where this is heading. You know, he's like, he's going to kill me, I need to, I've got to get out. So at that point, that's parents, Donald and County, are realizing that their child is gone. And they and the police and the whole town start searching for their 13-year-old missing child. And rightfully so. And they're searching everywhere. Except the neighbor's house that's a half a mile away from theirs. Because they didn't know any of their neighbors yet. They had never heard of the Clarks. They didn't know Joe Clark. He wasn't a friend. Joe Clark's a dick. Joe Clark has no friends. And it didn't occur. He was actually pretty popular, believe it or not. Because you probably doesn't mean you actually have friends. Mm, that's true. I mean, he had an actual girlfriend, which is crazy. And of course, they didn't go, hmm, there must be a crazy teenager that's kidnapped our kid and he's holding him, you know, in his home. Like, nobody would think that. No, that, that's definitely not where my first. You know, so they're like searching the woods and trying to search some kids that he did know and still can't find him anywhere. And, of course, because it was middle of the night, nobody really saw anything, probably. No. And, like I said, it was, a, it was like, less than half a mile in the dark in the middle of the night. So, and of course, he was there was quick. Before the day and age of everybody having security cameras everywhere, too. And cell phones and all that fun stuff. So, Joe's house, like I said, was gross and unkept. And it's been described as looking like an episode of Hoarders. But he did have a special sock drawer. Nobody wants to hear about a special sock. Special socks are bad thing. Not that kind of sock, but nobody wants to hear about this one either. <laughs> he had 300 pairs of perfectly laid out white socks. He was obsessed with white socks. Don't ever say I have too many pairs of socks again. We're also not a nutso killer. You don't know this for a fact. So he would... Put these socks on Thad's legs, and they had to be like he would put not just like one pair of socks, like he would put layer after layer after layer of sock. And like the ankle part had to be just right, the ribs had to be just right, everything had to be just so. But only for the socks. Right. It was. This kid's fucked in the head. We're going to talk about it at the end. It's just a little weird situation. So now we're on Saturday night, and Joe tells Thad that he has a date. So, excuse me while I stop your torture, because i got to go hang out with my girlfriend. Before he left, he jumps and stomps on both of Thad's legs, because he wanted to make sure that, you know, they were 
I mean, they're already broken, but I guess he thought he'd just add a little bit more just to make sure that Thad could not go anywhere. And he leaves him on the bed upstairs. I would have restrained him in some way, shape, or form, though. That would have been a smarter thing to do. But then again, a 17-year-old psychopath. He's not smart. No, he's a horrible person. That Thad bravely drags himself to the stairs. But he can't walk down the stairs. I wouldn't necessarily say bravely, but uh, fight or flight was kicking in, I'm sure. I mean, this is fist and hurt because he rolls himself <laughs> down the stairs. Because that's the only way he can get down. He can't scoot. He can't like scoot himself on his butt because he, he can't bend he his leg. Could legs. have done a handstand and walk down on his hand. I mean, everybody can do that, right? <laughs> no one could do. Well, I'm not gonna say no one. Majority of people cannot do that. So he rolls down the stairs because the only working phone is in the kitchen downstairs because it's 1995. And that was fairly common for the era. And it was like one of the corded phones. That were in the kitchen, on the wall. Well, when he rolled down the stairs, <laughs> he kind of knocked himself out. Understandably so. so. He doesn't, he's not quite sure how long he was out. But, so he would basically pull himself forward with his hands, pass out a little bit, wake up, pull himself forward, pass out with his hands, you know, pass out, pull himself forward, repeat. Over and over. He's almost to the kitchen. And Joe comes home. He hears the front door. Fuck. Exactly. I'm sure that's what he was thinking. Producer Luke is not happy. I know. I don't know why producer Luke is not happy. I don't know what he wants. And he's being squirmy. Very same. But Joe's not alone. Uh-oh. His girlfriend's at the door. But that gets scared because he's like... You're dating this crazy guy. Maybe you're crazy too. But he doesn't want to holler out because he's still hoping that that'll go that that Jay will go upstairs and he can make it to the phone. At least dial nine one one. I would hope. Yeah, that's you know because he's still trying to get to the phone, <laughs> so he doesn't holler out. So the girlfriend pretty much quickly leaves. Unfortunately, Jay finds him in the kitchen before he can call. Well, damn it. And he's pissed. And he basically, like, drags him up the stairs by his broken leg. Just grabs him and pulls him. I'm sure that felt absolutely amazing. Right? So now it's Sunday morning, and Thad has been tortured for 29 hours. A significant amount of time. Pretty much almost every hour... Joe would torture him on the hour. And now producer Nala wants attention. Of course she does. And he would break a bone just so he could hear the sound of the bone breaking. And, like, they even have, like, conversations about, like, how he thought about breaking his own bones just because he liked the sound of the break, but that he couldn't really do it. He wasn't strong enough to break his own bones Or he couldn't actually handle it. And then... So that's why he had to do it to somebody else. And it wasn't like, oh, I enjoy watching you be in pain. It's just, I just really like that sound it makes. 
It makes me happy. So Between that and the socks, he is a certified psychopath in my book. We're going to add one more layer. Oh, God. Another one? At times, he would masturbate in front of Thad. Really? Because he got sexual pleasure out of the breaking of the bones. This kid's straight fucked in the head. I told you. And I'm calling bullshit on that. The Sunday night, Joe's got a party to go to. He's got places to be. You can't just torture somebody your whole weekend. You got stuff to do. You got to be out. You got to be seen. And like you said, he learned his lesson. He didn't leave him on the bed again. He locks him in the closet upstairs in the bedroom. Still not quite good enough. It's, I mean, it's locked from the outside. Okay, well, maybe if it's locked from the outside, but still could theoretically be. And it's really hot in this house, and he's getting dehydrated. And at this point, Thad did not realize it. Like, he knew, like, I need to get out of this house, but what he didn't understand was with all of his injuries, he had internal bleeding. And his time on Earth is getting limited by the hour. The end is nigh. Yeah. Before he locked him in the closet, though, just to do a little extra, extra, he jumped on him some more, and his kneecap was completely turned backwards. Ow. Does that not sound like the most awful thing? I, like, I don't know which one's more awful, your foot being turned backwards or your kneecap being, like, they both sound awful. For such a little small bone that doesn't appear to do much or connect to much... If you break a kneecap, that puts you out of out of commission for a while. Mm-hmm. But well, there's a whole lot of ligaments that attach to it. So even though it's the sound of the bone that he's like, in all of this, he's injuring all those ligaments and tendons too, the whole time. Not to mention all the muscle structure around it, and you know, vessels and all that fun stuff. Yeah, it's not good. All this is, you know, getting worse by the minute. So he's locked in this closet. It's very filthy. It's very hot. He's dehydrated. I'm sure it doesn't smell the best either. Yeah. The, I don't think the whole entire house smelled good from the way the police talked about it. Which would probably be a good reason why the uh, girlfriend left as quick as she did. <laughs> I don't know why she was dating him to begin with, but anyway. Maybe she'd never been to his house before? Mm, didn't say. He starts searching through the closet because there's junk all in the closet. Mm -hmm. Luckily, he finds a guitar and he uses the guitar and he is able to break through the door. Must have been an electric guitar because an acoustic would not handle that type of abuse real real well. I want to say they say for sure. But I did not write it down. I want to say it's in the documentary. If you listen to the documentary, it's in there. And weirdly, his first thought was, oh, he's going to be mad at me that I could because I broke the door. Because he's already getting in that Stockholm-y type mindset of being... I mean, he's not wrong. Yeah, like <laughs> if he gets caught, he is going to be pissed off at him. So we go through this whole thing again. He goes, drags himself to the top of the staircase. He has to roll down the damn stairs again. 
he's passing out again because he's hitting his head when he rolls down. So he starts dragging himself to the kitchen. But this time he makes it. Yay! 42 hours and 20 minutes after his torture started, Thad grabs the phone cord and pulls the top part of the phone down. And luckily, this was one of the phones where the buttons were on the top part. Because if it had been on the other part, he couldn't have reached it. And he wouldn't have gotten out. Yeah, because I don't feel like there's any way he's standing at this point. No, he's not standing. Not at all. Yeah, I'm willing to bet even sitting up is a stretch. Yeah. Like I said, so he dials 911, and they said at this point he sounded so calm that they thought he was telling a joke. He was in shock at yeah. that point. Like, he is just, I need you to find me. But he didn't know where he was. Luckily, they were able to trace the call. And police get there, and there is, like, body cam footage of, you know, them finding the finding him. And they're, like, talking about the house. is like, that's where you can see, like, if you watch the documentary, you can see they'll show the house. And you can see how the house was a disaster. His parents were questionable, let's just say, about Joe Clark. He's a little, I don't know about that family. The police were pretty much amazed by that and his determination and his will to live. They were shocked. So he's immediately taken to the hospital and rushed into surgery. And like I said, they showed pictures on the episode of Escape. There's like one or two pictures that you can find online. Mm-hmm. And we'll post those on Instagram of what his injuries look like. His legs were like so swollen <laughs> that they look like ham hocks. Well, I mean, he was suffering massive internal hemorrhage. Right, and just bruising everywhere. It was just poor baby. The sheriff's department begins a manhunt for Joe Clark, and they found him at a party with his girlfriend. Well, I mean, that's where he said he was going, right? He didn't tell me exactly where he was going, but um, I think he just told him, like, I have to go out. Like, he didn't know, like, hey, the party's here or, you know. That kind of thing. Of course, the police search his house, and they find a notebook with three lists of names. One list was Get to Know, like K-N-O-W. Mm-hmm. Another was Can Wait. And the last was Leg Thing, which is weird. I'm guessing that's the list that uh, Dad ended up on. All of them were boys' names. <laughs> So it was like a hit wish list, wish wish list type thing. Hit wish list, wish list, yeah. list wish wish. <laughs> so Chris Steiner's body was exhumed because when he's in the hospital, it took a while for that to remember the name. Like he didn't just pop off the name. Like he mm-hmm. was like, I know, you know, that it was like Chris, and I know it started. Oh, my little boy's having issues. But, you know, he knew it started with an S, and they looked through the phone book, because this was 1995. We had phone books, and this is a small town. So they start looking through the S's in the phone book, and his parents are helping him look through. And they figure out, and he's like, oh, yeah, it's Steiner. So he tells the police, you know, oh, it's Chris Steiner. and Almost good for two things. Yeah, he's never able, able to remember the second name. Phone books are good for two things. Looking up phone numbers. And using it as a booster seat. Yep. <laughs> Best old booster seat ever. Right. So was the Sears catalog. 
No, the Sears catalog was a uh, bathroom reading material. Well, I was short, so I sat on the Sears catalog. Sorry. On top of the phone book. <laughs> and also, you have to remember that you grew up down here where there was a big phone book. Mm-hmm. My phone book was like, I don't know, what is that, two centimeters? Uh, I was in small town. <laughs> your phone book was the size of your typical magazine. Mine was an unabridged dictionary. Yeah. So <laughs> I needed lots of little phone books. If I was going to sit on the Sears catalog, it was like six times the size of our phone book. Sears, yeah. Another great company that has fallen tremendously. No, no. Not that I actually went through that much, but I did like the catalog. Oh, everybody looked at the catalog. And the Toys R Us catalog. Bring it back. R.I.P. Jeffrey. <laughs> <laughs> so they exhume Chris Donner's body and finally do the x-rays that they should have done in the beginning. And they revealed his legs are broken and his brakes look almost identical to Thad's. And law enforcement believe he was placed in the river either unconscious or that his injuries were too severe for him to swim. So he drowned. On September 12th, 1996... Joe Clark's trial begins. And the defense brought up that Joe had a traumatic brain injury from a motorcycle accident when he was 15. Uh, He obviously had something fucked in his head. They do say serial killers generally have some type of traumatic brain injury. That is pretty common. Well, understandably so. He does admit to taking Thad, but says he blacked out during the multiple times of torture. I call bullshit. So you blacked out, tortured somebody, then went out with your girlfriend, came back, blacked out, tortured somebody, went to a party. I got bullshit. The jury didn't believe him either. Smart jury. And he was found guilty of attempted murder of Thad Phillips. Yay. His sentence? 100 years. (laughs) A year later, after a trial for the murder of Chris Steiner, he's found guilty again and sentenced to life. Okay, that kid definitely needed to be locked up. He'll be up for parole in 2110, 88 years from now. I, I somehow don't feel like he's making it that far. I don't either. Thad required multiple surgeries, not shocking at all, over many years, and he still walks with a limp. That's that gangster limp. Well. Got him some street cred now. Even more so. So get this. So prior to the attempted murder trial, 15-year-old Michael Hubish shot Thad in the back. Was uh, Michael a friend of Joe's? As far as police can tell, it was not related. But he survived. It delayed the trial, but he survived. So this poor child went through all of this torture and then was also shot in the back. This man's a fucking Terminator. It's crazy. You can't kill him. That sued Joe Clark, and they won a $21 million judgment. That the likelihood of them actually getting that kind of money, not high. Yeah, I was about to say. And that is the story of Joe Clark that they call the Bone Breaker. Okay, so why did uh, Mike shoot him? (laughs) They don't know why. Like, if you read the articles, there's very few. You figured it would be, like, 
a big deal. <laughs> There's very few articles about it, and they really never. It was almost like maybe they got like some kind of argument, and he just shot him because he was 15 too. It was like two teenagers. Some reports say this is not like a legit report. This is kind of like a Reddit type. He said, she said, situation that type. Sad is like gets into trouble now. Like as a teenager, he got into trouble. Like he wasn't like a well-behaved, sweet little angel kid. But I mean, at 13, he was a little kid who played Little League. So, I mean, also he could be fucked in the head because he was tortured for 48 hours, basically. Right. I mean, he was basically hours from death at that point. Exactly. And he's been through a lot. Yeah, I, I give him a little bit of a pass on that. Yeah. And it's not verified. It's just yeah. like kind of hearsay. So that's why I don't know if it's true. I mean, he literally could have just, you know, people are crazy. He literally could have just been like, your girlfriend's hot. And the guy could have shot him. Or the girlfriend, or some girl could have liked him and not, you know, you never know. So people is are dad till, still alive today? Yes. Any yes. updates on him? He interviews on, you know, as an adult, on the documentary. He's still kind of a smaller guy. You know, and he seems to be doing well. Other than, I mean, he does have that lump, and he did have to go through all those numerous surgeries. But other than, I'm sure, he does have a few nightmares and stuff. That's him as an adult. That's that? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And who would this be? If you go, you see that picture on the right, that go right, all the way to the right. Found. That is him in the hospital. Now, there's another picture that shows his legs a little better. Now, you have to, like, his legs don't look jamungus until you remember how tiny his arms were. Yeah, looking at his leg compared to his arm, yeah, that's not normal. They're super swollen. Yeah, I think. Yeah. And there's one other, like, yeah, that one. Damn. Yeah, it's awful. Awful, awful. That looks like something that'd be in a haunted house somewhere. Yep. A horror movie. I mean, it is a horror movie. It's a nightmare. To say the least. It's a complete and total nightmare. So, questions. Comments, concerns? Yeah. <laughs> Was Jay Bourne bad? There's no record of him being mistreated. Now, I do have questions about this mom who made excuses for him, like, initially. I mean, obviously, living conditions were not the best if it was a hoarder-type situation. This whole, I would have known if he, you know, like, they immediately took the mom's word, oh, I would know if he snuck out. No, you wouldn't. I don't care what mom you are. Kids no, don't sneak you, out. What, not, I'm not going to say necessarily a kid's going to sneak out, but you can't say, oh, my child absolutely positively did not sneak out. I would absolutely know if they did. And the police just took her at her word, which is kind of weird to me, because once they actually go to trial, they find out that he snuck out all the time. And his friends, you know, once they interviewed his friends, they had proof. Like, yeah, he snuck out all the time. Oh, yeah. He comes down and parties with us all the time. Yeah. He's like, and he was actually pretty popular. He was well liked. It wasn't one of these, oh, of course it was him. He was creepy type of things. Like nobody saw this coming. 
I mean, the bit about the motorcycle accident, that definitely could have played a part. I mean, a brain injury can definitely change a person. Agreed. Yeah, you know, whether or not that was the catalyst that started this whole shebang, I can't say. I don't don't have all the information, so to speak. I don't think anybody does. And he did, like. There's a um, honestly, I there is a podcast where they interview Joe Clark, and I tried to listen to it. Honestly, I can't remember the name of it. If I can find it, I will link it in our show notes. But I could not listen to it because it sounded a lot like Joe Clark was just making excuses and lying. So I couldn't get through it because they were trying to interview him. And, you know, but it was a lot of just a lot of denial. Like, oh, Thad came over there on his own. And, oh, you know, he's just trying to give me a bad name. I'm like, he didn't break his own legs. I mean, if we're being honest here, you know, as far as how Thad, how exactly Thad got there, you know, that's a bit of he said, she said between the two of them. They did not know each other beforehand, though. I'm aware of that. And given the age gap between them, they it's not like they would have run within the same circles, so mm-hmm. to speak. But I don't think that that story is necessarily 100% accurate as far as how he got over to Joe's house. But I also don't think Joe is going to is and is going to tell the truth about how Thad got to his house. Yeah, sure. Because, I mean, if, if you just wake up, you're not, you know, things aren't fully firing at that point. Yeah. And, I mean, honestly, 13-year-olds don't automatically go to... Ooh, this is a bad person. Like, if, at, it, at 13, if a twenty-three-year-old female woman wakes up and she's in somebody's arms, being carried in the dark, she's going to lose her ever-loving mind because her mind is going to go to a, a dark place. Kids yeah. tend to think happy balloons, <laughs> friends. You know, and then they encounter the real world. And yeah, unfortunately, go, oh, shit, we're fucked. Yeah, unfortunately, he also denies that he ever masturbated and said that Thad made that up. Why Thad would make that up makes absolutely no sense. I 100% believe that that happened. Well, now he's got all the time in the world to do exactly that, doesn't he? Gross. And it's... A lot of people don't know, like, do you call this a fetish? I think it kind of is. Like, I don't know what else you would call it if you don't call it a fetish. Uh, for lack of a better term right off the top of my head, yes, I would say fetish. Albeit a very, very peculiar and strange one. That's why the story is pretty popular, because nobody's, you know, there's a lot of people who kill because they either, you know, they enjoy the act of killing. There's people who um, grossly enjoy the act of having sex with dead bodies, or, yeah, you know, there's a lot of things that people do that are gross. There are not a lot of people out there that you hear, oh, I did this because I like the sound of breaking bones. Yeah, I mean, usually the sound of a breaking bone is going to be accompanied by an ooh probably, from somebody around. Um, yeah, most people are like, oh, I don't want to hear that. Ew. Like, you know, but apparently he enjoyed it to the point of where he thought about doing it to himself. That, that's... 
go buy a bunch of chickens from the store. Dead chickens, not live chickens. Okay, I was going to say, wait, what? <laughs> They've got plenty of bones in them. Start breaking all them. Okay, like a Halloween skeleton. That doesn't, that's not going to have the same snap as a real bone. Well, I mean, I'm just trying to say leave people alone. <laughs> uh, any other thoughts? Yeah. I hope Thad is doing well nowadays. I mean, I'm, I know he'll never 100% fully recover from this ordeal. I wish they could find the other child or person. Yeah. It wasn't a big town. So, I mean, they searched. They weren't missing. You know, it wasn't like somebody was missing that. Well, there's who said it was a kid from that particular town. Well, true. But, I mean, he was young. So, I mean, they tried to find somebody. And in 94, it's entirely possible that he may have had a driver's license and access to a vehicle as well at 17. I want to, Well, I mean, he had that motorcycle. Exactly. So, before he had the accident, I don't know if they replaced it or not. Um, but he definitely had... I mean, they obviously... I mean, they left him alone for weekends at a time. Which, not very good judgment on parents' parts. Right? Like, maybe have the neighbor come check on him? Especially since he had a girlfriend? I mean, yes, it was a little bit different time back then. Back then, I'm almost positive I stayed by myself for a weekend when I was 17, though. Yeah. I mean, easily. And that would have been... Oh, let me age myself, because that would have been <laughs> in the 90s. That would have been in the 90s, too. So, But I also didn't do... I'm not going to say I was an angel, but I didn't do anything super crazy. You know? Yeah. Uh. I didn't do anything too, too, too stupid, but I did my fair share of stupid stuff. I don't think either one of us kidnapped anybody or even thought about kidnapping anybody. No, no, no. Usually it was something. And you really have to be, it's pretty ballsy to walk up in somebody's house where a whole family is and just pick up somebody and walk out the door with them. What if he just screamed? Like the dad could have shot him. Oh, hypothetical. If that had fallen asleep in his bed instead of staying up watching a TV show or a movie, would this have happened? Well, he took Christian out of his room. Was Thad's bedroom in a first floor or second floor room? I did not say. I mean, I, I would assume after the fact it was definitely moved to a Christian's, first floor position. Christian's, yeah, Christian's definitely was, but they didn't say um, about that. But Christian's definitely was. And he knew the layout of Chris because he was friends with his older brother, which that sucks. I'm mean, like, uh, you killed my little brother, you asshole. Like, really? Hey, Joe, you're a piece of shit. Oh, he's definitely like, that's, I mean, honestly, that's why I could not get through the, the podcast that interviewed him. So props for them for being able to, I, I would just have to call bullshit and be like, you're lying. And then he wouldn't interview with me and it wouldn't go well. Because I wouldn't be able to keep my mouth shut. Yeah, you don't hold your tongue well. <laughs> I don't. I know I don't. It is what it is. And that's all that it is? I think this is our first technical... I mean, I know Christian didn't survive, but we did have a survivor. So The I, primary person in the story was yeah, and did survive. I, I'm not going to be... I cannot find pictures of Christian Steiner. 
I do not know why. I feel like, to me, this seems like this should have been a huge case. And there's just not a ton on it, really. It's, it's very odd that there's not more on it. I watched Escape Season 1, Episode 3, Torture in Suburbia. And I had to work to find that. I honestly don't even remember. It's been a minute since I watched it. So I honestly don't remember how I found it. Was that on some streaming service? Yeah. Like I had to work. Y'all don't Sometimes you have to work to find some of these old stuff. Like I have another. She throws random. Do we have this streaming service? Do we have access to this? Because if you're looking for stuff like before 2010, sometimes it's hard to find. And like I've got another case that I'm looking into and. It's from England, and I found the first episode. It's two parts, and I've watched the first part, and now I'm having trouble finding the second part. Keep searching. I'm sure you'll find it. Oh, I'm going to find it. It's going to be found. Or uh, put, your, put our resident uh, Google Foo master on it. I'll find it. He'll Don't find worry. it. You know he will. <laughs> yeah. Same. All right, y'all. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this one and all of them. Please, you know. Rate, review. Yeah. Share. <laughs> Come on some form of social media and tell us what you think. Yeah. And if you want a sticker, free stickers still, we just need addresses to send them to. Yep. Not going to cost you a dime except for, well, it, it'll cost you a little bit of time, but that's it. Yeah. Okay, a little bit of time to type up a whatever message you decide to send to us. Include your address. We'll get one shipped out to you. Yeah, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, Facebook. we're on Facebook, they're all going to be linked in the show notes, so just join us, have a conversation if you've got ideas. We have had a couple of case suggestions, which we love, so... And if you do send us a case suggestion, we it may take us some time to, to get it researched and get it written up, but we will get it. That has more to do with the fact that I'm already, like, in the middle of, like, three at a time by the time you send me something. Yeah, we haven't forgotten. We know we're going to get it. We promise. Yep. And we appreciate y'all. So I hope y'all have a great week. All right. Until next week. Bye, y'all. Bye.